Danny Henderson is a lifelong clairvoyant and clairaudient. She has been seeing spirits, both angelic and demonic, since birth. She has also seen aliens. She has just completed her book where she gives an account of her extraordinary experiences throughout her lifetime with all of those different entities. And she is also the convener and organizer of the Galactic Spiritual Informers Convention that takes place in October in Orlando, Florida. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Well, welcome, Danny, to ExoPolitics Today. Great to have you back. Thank you, Michael. It's truly an honor to be on your channel. It's one of the channels that I personally admire the most, and uh, it's a real, real delight and an honor uh, to be invited back. Thank you so much. Well, congratulations on, on finishing your, your book on uh, angels, demons, and aliens. I mean, it is... Uh, always an accomplishment to to finish a book and it's not an easy thing to do so uh, and your book is pretty much a kind of autobiographical where you're describing your extraordinary experiences I mean I, I just read it today I went through it and yeah I was re really amazed at the breadth and the scope of the experiences that you've had so you know tell us what what inspired you to, to write the book you know, I've been a therapist long term. I've been a children's nanny, nursery nurse long term. And, you know, having been a child that was born awake, seeing everything there is on a metaphysical level, on a spiritual level, you know, I realized that I'm growing up with very damaged, very dysfunctional people, people who've had experiences similar to mine in childhood. They were never able to express their feelings. They felt suicidal. They felt like a misfit. They felt like they didn't belong here. And so the book I felt was important. If I could come from my own genuine experiences um, of the species, aliens, demons, and aliens, um, with a angels, demons, and aliens, which are the three species that I physically, personally had interaction with. These weren't in my mind. These weren't in a dream. These weren't fantasy. These were physical, literal, experiences from childhood to now um, and I figured that if I brought my own testimony that there will be people that would read the book and go oh my god that's me that is me or oh, I remember seeing that you know the book's an activator other people have read it and they've said oh my god are you reminded me of this I saw myself here what I saw when I was a child I know is real and uh, yeah the cover is so beautiful uh, Elena Danan um, actually created that cover uh, for me. She's so talented. I'm so grateful to her. And she wrote the foreword as well. I mean, she's my best friend in the world. But, you know, that aside, um, she's such a scholar um, in this in these you know, environments, too, especially with our galactic history. Uh, but yeah, so the book really is to share all the stories from birth to now, bringing us up to date with who the real demons are today, which is obviously the uh, the turds that run my planet, your planet, our planet, um, but really giving and gifting 
all of the steps through like as a child going to church and then at seven I realize that the adults are liars they're scared they don't see what I can see because clairvoyance clairaudience clairsentience Jesus Christ had all these abilities of course he came as a fully realized human you throw religion on top you throw the threatening fear you know the the the, the satanic anger that exists um, and people just get thrown off. They don't want to follow through. They want to, like, I, Michael, one of the things I can tell you is I used to be disgusted with people like me. I would run from me. I didn't want to hear about somebody seeing spirits or angels or demons, you know, because we were programmed as Christians. Well, if you see an angel, that's a demon in disguise. And oh, if you see Jesus Christ, well, you are demonic, you know. Um, and so I would run from people. I would feel physically sick. I'd be physically repulsed. But that's the programming we, a lot of us have had. I had that programming. Stay away. Stay away from your natural gifts. Stay away from who you be. Um, so I came in fully awake. And uh, I've been banging on about it now for a long time, you know, to help love and support people. Well, I mean, the, the book is so rich in terms of uh, personal experiences that, that you've had. I mean, I, I was just amazed at uh, your vivid descriptions of these different encounters, different spirits that you saw, and you, you talk a lot about how they kind of like tormented you um, in your, your life. So, I mean, to me, that kind of sounds really difficult. I mean, how do, as a natural psychic where you can feel or you can hear and see these different spirits i mean and and at night uh the ones that are malevolent demonic uh you know they don't you know they don't hesitate to interrupt or disturb you or torment you so i mean how did you learn to deal with that literally got to the point of like i'm a like I'll take so much. And then the element to conquer anything truly, I believe is fear. You conquer fear, nothing can own you. You're like oil and water, nothing can link in, nothing can grab on. That's why we've got to get rid of, I feel all the programs of the religion and the systems and this can happen and that can happen. When you stand and you face a demonic, a dark demonic that's literally breathing on you and you can stand there and you can go into neutral mode completely neutral, engaging in nothing, no emotional negotiation. And you can stand and you can look, what can it do? It, the demonics, for example, the dark entities, dark humans, they can only feed off the energy that you emit. So if they're trying to cause fear and adrenal high, there's an electromagnetic static charge that literally comes off your physical vessel, your physical biome, and they called looshing one way of phrasing it uh, when you decide and it is a decision that you can make because i've done it i'm living proof of that that you stand in the face of that and you are just completely neutral you're not engaging first second third fourth fifth gear you're not engaging negotiating emotionally you're just standing um, holding space for self self-love self-respect i I mean, people are scarier than demons, honestly. Um, and I literally, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing. I'm so done. And I think that was part of my training. I think that was my soul contract coming in, that I would literally experience so many violent physical attacks from humans, from demonics, from 
uh, not negative aliens. That wasn't my agreement. I chose not to come in with a dramatic abduction story. I came in with my alien connections, my true life, physical, literal alien connections with benevolence. However, there is a story in the book, and this makes me so happy in some ways, that my parents, my mum and dad, I've got two brothers, one younger, one older, we're only a year apart, the three of us. My mum and dad and I and the boys were witness to UFO, and one particular time, the only negative aliens I encountered were we were going on a drive in the car on a Sunday, and... Um, my dad wanted us to find this sea captain's anchor. Now, in Britain, you've got castles everywhere, you know, churches, churchyards, ancient cemeteries with the beautiful ancient stone masonry. And so me and the boys would like run around these cemeteries and I would always go to the angels, the children's graves, you know, because they'd often have these stunning, beautiful masonry angels standing over the, the children. And me and the boys would like read the names of the children out and how old they were. And, and so mum and dad made it fun. And and uh, because it was a way of giving us a break because you're in the car for two hours and they're listening to their boring play and we're kids, you know, that's where we'd get out and run around. And we were looking for the sea captain's um, uh, tomb and we found it. And it was like, I was in the middle, my little brother was here, mum was here, older brother here, dad here. And we're looking at this stone masonry. My dad's reading the story and he's making a big, you know, drama out of it. And all of a sudden I felt something behind me. I'm six years old felt something behind me and it was like something was slowing me down. I literally felt my energy start to morph into paralysis. Now by six, I was an expert. I'd had it happen so many times by different entities and different beings. And then I remember my mum and dad started to unravel and you don't expect to see your parents panic when you're a kid because they're your everything they're your anchors to everything and then I realized something's happening and then suddenly my mom is trying to push me and my brothers a certain way and I look around and there were two beings they were six feet away and they both had binoculars and when one moved the other moved in unison with it if I was to describe the hideous ugly monstrosities the nearest person I could give you is Bill Gates they looked like two really ugly Bill Gates. They had shirts on, ties on, sleeveless sweaters, and they were not of this world. And they were staring at us. The mum and dad are ushering me and the boys into the church. I remember going in, there was a lady, she had dark brown hair that flicked up the old kind of 1970s style. And she was polishing the wooden pews uh, with Mr. Sheen, that wood polish. Um, and I remember smelling it and trying to disassociate from what was happening. And what I said to myself was, oh, my nan uses that. My grandma uses that Mr. Sheen. So it was interesting. I'm observing myself in panic trying to disassociate because there's something really scary happening and my parents are coming unhinged. Anyway, my dad was like, is there another way out? Is there another door? And the lady went, yeah, through there. So we went through another room where they hang their, you know, their priest, their robes for church and out the back in the car, rarely spoke about it. They rarely spoke about it. And then I've sat with them recently as I was finishing the book and telling them, you know, we're really close, telling them what was going on. And they remember it so clearly like it was yesterday. And what I came to understand was those beings, those beasts were reptilians. Before I told my parents that, my dad said, I'll never forget that day ever. And he said, he knew that those twins, they called them the twins, they were after one of us kids. 
Yeah. And I said, Dad, they are after me. They are after me. But they failed. <laughs> they are so unattractive, aren't they? So unattractive. Um, yeah, and so many different kinds. But, yeah, they're so ugly and look like, you know, human version of, like I say, Bill Gates. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, again, the, with the UFO craft, like mom, dad, brothers, all witnessing at the same time uh, a black uh, kind of delta wing, what we call, what the military call TR-3B. But that, as we know, is a military reverse engineered flying craft, whereas the originals flown by actual ETs. Yeah, there we go. Um, by actual ETs. Um, it's interesting because what I remember when it flew over the car, my mum saw one of the lights, one of the bright lights. And she said to my dad, oh, my God, look, the moon's out really early. And we were near a horrific mental asylum. Back in the day, that's what it was called in the 70s. And it's called Helling Lie. And there's nothing but fields around it. And some terrible stories have come out of there. Plus, there was a power station there. So we're in the car on another one of our boring Sunday in the country runs. And my mum's like, oh, my God. So me and the boys are trying to scrabble and see, like, what she's seeing. And then this craft flew over the car. And then my dad just shit himself and gun the car. And, and then I saw it bank off to the right over the field. And when I was in, I was in well, I'm in England again, but um, last year when I went to visit them, um, I'm like, I'm going to drive us back to that field where we saw that craft. And we went back there and barely anything's changed because it's English countryside. There's so much of it that's just remained the same forever. Um, but I'm glad that mum and dad were able to witness and stand witness with me um, on these events. Because, again, I really want to help. Families need to heal. Parents screwed up with their kids, not believing them. You know, and now they get a chance to do that healing. It's time everyone told their stories, stood in themselves, whether parents or family members remember or not. It is definitely a massive time for mass healing. And even if it's just my book that people read and they go, oh, my gosh, I can so relate to this. This was me. And it gives them some kind of a cellular and emotional healing, then job done. Well, I know that it is very unusual to have any kind of shape-shifting reptilian, you know, try to apprehend you. And, you know, that incident you described where you're with your family and you're at that church and you get these shape-shifting aliens or you, you, your mother felt that or you felt that they were kind of reptilians in disguise. I mean... You know, you're at a very young age and somehow they identified you as a person of interest. And it's, and it's very curious to me how the, it's not just different entities, extraterrestrials and also government agencies that they identified people very early on in terms of some quality that gets their attention. Now in school, sometimes people score very uh, high highly in results they get noticed uh but obviously you were noticed i mean they 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 made they, those two shape-shifting reptilians they made a beeline for you you were a person of interest so what was it you think about you that made you a target at that very young age when we are born we have a signature frequency a light anomaly 
Um, and so anyone that is searching or seeking, it isn't just about the genetic um, code, the DNA code. It's like when I would wake up the years that I would and there'll be like 20 or 30 people standing at the end of my bed, all physical, all different colors from all over, earthbound spirits, spirits that had died, didn't want to go to the light, like to kind of hang out in spaces of alcoholics and, uh, you know, weed smokers or whatever. They know I would see them and they would just, you know, hang out at the end of the bed and wake me up. And all they needed was to be seen, to be noticed. After years of being terrorized, I got to the point, I'm like, get out you know no i get out get out that's what kind of kind of what it came down to last time i saw a ton of people at the end of my bed i was in coronado california this is the early 2000s and i remember i was lying there and i was coming into awakening because i could sense and i didn't even open my eyes and there was a ton of them at the end of the bed and i could hear them saying shh, shh she wake up in a minute wait wait Wait, she's going to be mad. She's going to be mad. And I sat up and I went, F off, like that. And then they turned around and started all walking, like disappearing into the wall. And it reminded me of that movie Ghost, Whoopi Goldberg, where um, Sam Wheat jumps in and he goes, you've got to get out of here. And then, oh, there's so many spirits in the room waiting to come through to speak to a beloved in the room. And then they all kind of move through the wall. Uh, it was just like that. It really was. It's really interesting because a lot of movies totally depict the reality of the day. But like I said, there's a DNA, uh, not necessarily DNA, there's also a holographic. There is so many different signature frequencies that we clairvoyance, clairsentience, uh, mediums, uh, angelics, whatever you want to call us or yourselves, um, that we emit and it's that frequency that they can pick up and they can look at. In school, school was torture, school was hell. Um, I could always tell the bad parents and they did not, you know, well, again, I don't want to give too much of what's in the book away, but I think a lot of children now, adults, will see themselves in that book. Um, when I was at school, um, I had severe chronic dyslexia, ADHD, classic, blah, 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 classic. Um, and we did these tests and I was sitting next to my friend Pamela and these kept, these tests were called CAT tests, C-A-T, CAT tests. That's all I remember. And we're in a classroom and we're doing these tests and I'm looking over at Pam ready to cheat, you know, because I mean, I didn't have any confidence in my ability. Um, and I'm looking at her work and I'm thinking, well, that's wrong. No, Pam, that's wrong. So I started doing my own, you know, multiple choice things. And then I'll never forget, there were five names read out in assembly. Now, I'm the kid, I'm disruptive, I'm talking, I'm the clown. I'm always getting kicked out. I'm always standing outside the bloody classroom door, like yawn. You know, I'm getting E's and D's in all my classes. And I'm really like, you know, low, low bred. Um, and then five names were read out in the school assembly. The whole school year is there. And my name was one of them and it was one of the single most joyous and then single most humiliating moments of my life because the whole school were looking at me and going cheat 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 british british and the the way they they respond and then i was devastated i couldn't believe i scored so high and then i thought maybe i cheated and anyway they made me take the test again by myself and i scored higher and i couldn't believe it and i went before the headmistress at the time and she said to me why don't you apply yourself? Like, why don't you work? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I had all these issues, ADHD, dyslexia. And it wasn't until I was in college that it was picked up that I was typing backwards. The word have comes out A, 
H-V-E, the word children often comes out chivalrous. So I have to slow my brain down to be able to physically type or write, you know, those kinds of words. But, but um, yeah, but I think I got under the radar because I was so dysfunctional at school and as a person, you know, that I maybe just missed, you know, but there were definitely some entities that did want to let me know they knew, you know, makes sense. Okay. Yes, no, that makes sense. So that the entities could read your frequencies. They knew you had abilities that would be a threat to their agenda. And um, yeah, clearly that's what we're seeing now with uh, the things that you're doing. Now, you you saw these kind of human, these two humanoids that were you felt were shape-shifting reptilians, so that, that was a dark kind of presence that had infiltrated. Now... Years later, you were in Kauai and you were at some, some meditation group and uh, there was an individual called Kay and he turned out to be a shapeshifter as well, So, but a very positive type of shapeshifter. So you want to tell us about that, what happened in that house yeah. and who was in that house? Yeah, it was incredible. So uh, I had always had a pull. So I remember, so, so through our lives, we laid down markers We've laid down things that are going to trigger memory in all of us. It could be a book, a film, a person, a smell, a place. And when I watched Jurassic Park, the first one, and I saw the roots and the red rushka trees, my body responded. I was, I, I, I was mad at the time, and I was saying to my then husband, oh, my God, I know there. I know there. I know there. That's home. That's home. Um, anyway, the next night we're in a pub in St. Albans with my friend Derek and uh, his friend Gary. And Derek's like, oh, Gary does, uh, Gary does uh, you know, beautiful um, honeymoon um, visits to Kauai. And then I'm like, oh, where's that? And he goes, oh, one of the Hawaiian Islands known as the Garden Island. And then Gary's like, yeah, you know, that's where it's Jurassic Park, the first movie. So it was like, da-donk, da-donk. I'm like, oh, my God. I knew I had to get there. Anyway, so long story short, I found myself on a spiritual quest, joining a troop of 10 people, getting on a plane and going to Kauai. And I didn't realize when I got there that all these people were like broken they were getting through a divorce. They were sad. And I, I was there thinking I'm going to learn about the indigenous culture. You know, I didn't know anything about the Lemurians but until I got there, until I interacted with them. But part of the tour that we paid for included going to, some, to meet this man who um, was interesting. So long story short, um, he also, his house in the garden, on the land at the back, which overlooks lakes, forest, and then the ocean. That land has what we call a heiau, and a heiau because the Hawaiians pronounce all of the vowels, their beautiful language. So a heiau is a, a burial ground, basically. So they'll often you'll see a heiau by the natural Hawaiian volcanic porous rock. They might make it two, three feet in a circular shape and then there's lawn on the top but it's burial ground there'll be oh yeah the nepali coast kawaii um so there'll be um kahuna you know the royalty royal kings queens a lineage of ancient families the wise ones um 
on these Hei Owls, and it is said that the Hawaiian people themselves never step on the Hei Owls. Um, and so anyway, so, so this man, a white man, blue-eyed white man, lovely man, I don't want to say his name because I don't have his permission, um, and uh, so I'm not going to do that, but people that go there and know him, they'll, they'll know. Uh, so he was allowed to buy this land that included a Hei Owl, which is very, very unusual. So we had all these different experiences and then each of us were gonna get a reading from him. So it was my turn to go in and he's a tall, slim man and barefoot. And he told me to put my feet um, on the map of the stars. And there was a, a rubber, like a rubber, um, band thing that I put my feet in. He put his foot on top of mine, which kind of freaked me out. I had a real germ phobia at that time. Put his foot on top of mine and then said to me, this is how I pull up your energy, how I can read you. Then he sat down in front of me and it was the most comfortable silence I've ever had with the being ever, any human, anybody. It was just his perfect lull. And, um, you know, in those days, I was the kind of person we learn as adults that there can't be a silence. You've got to feel that silence. But it was the first time I just sat in harmony with this man. And I said to him, where are you from then? And he said, I don't know. All I can tell you is I was in a car accident. I was very suicidal at the time. And when I came out of my coma, there was somebody sharing my space. And this person this soul frequency that shares k's space um is extraterrestrial and has brought the most beautiful information on healing and what k does is he makes tinctures so my tincture that he made me was for inner child trauma um and I was so annoyed. I thought I'd done the work. You know, here I am in my late 20s, early 30s. I've done the work. I really hadn't. You can only chunk it, chunk it, chunk it as you go. So um, he was really beautiful. It was a really amazing experience. Also, as I was sitting in front of him, he starts to read me, read my energy. He's moving his hand like this. Well, here was this bright light. It was like he literally had a torch, a flashlight, as Americans call it, a flashlight right here in his palm. And so he's sitting there and I assume he knows this. So I'm seeing it's daylight, just completely sunny outside and in the office. And I said to him, oh, wow. I said, the light. I said, is that where you pull your information? He's like, what? I went, the light in the palm of your hand. He's like, oh, yes, oh my God. He goes, it's always really hot when I read people. I'm like, well, yeah, I can see a really, really bright light. Um, so that was the first thing. Then that evening we went back. We were invited back, me and Shirley and the other people that were on this spiritual troop. I sit down next to this woman and I'm like, oh, my God, wow. I felt like dolphin, like I couldn't work out what this energy was. Then there was a guy sitting, sitting in front of me on the floor. He had long hair, kind of elfin ears, and he kind of moved. And I'm looking at these people and I'm thinking, these are the oddest looking people I've ever seen. You know, our brain is so brilliant. Our brain is so primed for fight or flight. If we see something or someone, there's an image that happens. There's a, you know, warrior mode on, warrior mode off. And I'm looking at these people and there was no threat, but my brain was picking up. There were slight differences meaning that they weren't altogether human, all of them. Now, we were there to listen to his CD, his new CD. This is how long ago it was, like, I don't know, 2002, I think, and his new CD. Um, and then so I'm sitting on the sofa, and then this man on the floor in front of me, room's filling up, there's like 20 people in the room, they're sitting everywhere they can. And the man on the floor, he starts to talk. But what he's doing is he's saying a poem 
but as he's saying the poem, he's literally living the words and he's swaying. And I was just mesmerized by their beauty. And then my, I'm, my, I'm realizing these people are very comfortable here with Kay. They are safe. No one's going to judge them. We've all been checked out on this spiritual truth. We've been invited. This is really special. And I remember looking down this long line of people and there's maybe six, seven, eight people sitting on the sofa and on chairs next to me. At the very end, there was this tall white man with these big brown googly eyes, like real bulbous goggly eyes and curly hair. And he kind of looked at me. He was kind of, and then, and then trying to, and then there was a, a lady, an Asian lady next to him, and she realized he was nervous and she looked straight at me and looked at him and then kind of smiled at me. And I'm like, no, I saw it too late I saw it and it was like he was a uh, shape-shifting he was trying to hold his frequency as a human and I just sent love and just sat back the lights go down as we're there to listen to this meditation that Kay has created Kay is sitting right across from me the glass windows at the back of his house if you're in the garden and you look at the house it looks like a UFO that's how he designed it so he's sitting opposite me. I can see the back of his head in the reflection of the glass. No curtains, just glass, and it's getting dark. So I'm watching him. I'm looking at the people, and then we close our eyes, and then I'm like, I have to have another look, you know. <laughs> so you know, I'm kind of opening my eyes a bit, making sure no one else has got their eyes open. I'm looking at the different beings around the room. I look at Kay, and all of a sudden, this energy frequency passed between him and I, but his human self is completely in meditation, listening to the CD. But out of the top of his head starts to come this very thin, tall, and it was shaped like this. His head was shaped like this, you know, into a point. And it was blue, like this color I'm wearing, this color blue. And it came at the top of his head and it looked right at me. And I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm thinking, don't you dare blink, Danny. And I'm saying to myself, check behind his head, check the reflection. Can you see the blue being in the reflection? Yes, I could. Yes, I could. So it was physically showing me what it was. And then it very slowly went back down. I just could not believe it. I had never seen anything like that up until that moment. After the CD finished playing, we uh, were asked to go to a quiet place and make notes on the CD. And anyway, so Shirley comes over and I said, oh, my God, I said, I saw the blue man. She's like, what blue man? I said, well, the blue man inside of K. She goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, the blue man. Now, this woman had already reamed me a new one because I saw a, a whole group of Lemurians and she'd never seen them in her 14 years of going there. So I was quite wary of her at that point. Um, and the next thing she goes running off and Kay brings Kay. He sits next to me and she says, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him what you saw. So I said, I hope you don't mind. But I just looked and this is what I saw. Well, he got really, really emotional like so emotional, it was really beautiful. And he said, I always wondered what I looked like, you know, and ah, Dr. Sala, that was such a lovely moment. You know, I was really grateful for my clairvoyant ability that I was able to kind of say to this beautiful man who's here to do such great work for humanity, this is what I saw, you know, this is what you allowed me to see, what your other part of your soul that you're sharing space with showed me, yeah. Well, that just 
kind of like confirms that there are a lot of extraterrestrials living amongst us, some positive, some negative, and those that have the discernment or have the psychic abilities, you can see them. And uh, yeah, I, I know there are others that have been able to see them. And I, I remember years ago coming across this material from a Swedish contactee uh, talking about the Lacerda files. Uh, this was um, and, and describing how the extraterrestrials do it, how they, some of them can disguise themselves using technologies. Others use a combination of technology and mind control. But, yeah, they, they influence people to not see them, but those like yourself that have that uh, clairaudient gift or clairvoyant gift, you can see them, and that's, that's a good reminder. Now, you talked about this uh, flying triangle, and, and you've also in the book you also talked about the differences between the extraterrestrial vehicles and alien reproduction vehicles, that, that you can tell the difference. So how do you tell the difference between a spacecraft, whether it's a flying triangle uh, that's piloted, crewed by extraterrestrials with one that's piloted or crewed by humans that's part of the secret space program? How do you tell the difference? Frequency, straight away. You just know it is not an effort. There's no physical effort needed. It is an instant. It is like a quantum thought when you look and you see. And I remember one night I really tested myself. I was living in Encinitas, California, and the people that live in Encinitas, there's a lot of very spiritual people. Um, and I was looking up in the sky and I could see these two craft. Oh my gosh. And I was with a girlfriend and this, this craft. And, but I kept, it was so right there and we we're going oh my god i bet everybody in its neaters can see these this this these two craft here and but i kept and i realized i was reading with my heart which i really feel that is one of the biggest tools that every human has and i mean every single human every human no exception and i realized i was reading with my heart and i was really trying to feel if that was real, my friend's coming apart, she's praying, she's calling out to them. And I'm sitting there thinking, I can't find the resonance. I can't feel it. I can't find it. And she's like, Danny, Danny. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think that's real. <laughs> it turned out it was like two gardens over. This bloody man had thrown them up for a joke. They were like kites and they were picking up light and reflecting like they were far away, but they were like 50 yards away. Um, and I was so glad I'd, I realized, you know, I was so glad I was so aware of how I was feeling, trying to feel resonance. And then I stuck with the truth of, you know, what I knew to be true. Um, yeah, so reading with your heart, picking up resonance, and humans are easy to pick up. I can't really read that. Even with my Dollar Tree glasses on, I can't really read that. Is that the Nazi bell? Is that Hitler's bell? Uh, no, that's an alien reproduction vehicle. That's one of the ones that were um, made uh, by uh, the US Air Force that was seen at an Air Force base. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of like the electrogravitic uh, structure of the craft. And, yeah, that's, that's one of the examples of an of an alien reproduction vehicle. So, yeah, definitely very different to an extraterrestrial vehicle. Uh, yeah. These are 
these are, it, I think, uh, yeah, as you said, the frequency is different. And and again, it is it is pretty much like Hitler's bell because that was a reverse engineered ancient technology, mechanically made. And the other way to tell that, I mean, the thing is. I so need people to know, like, you know, you get to the point of just keep on, on and on and on, but we have to keep on and on and on. For people to understand that half of the craft, pretty much that they see in the skies, all the different crafts that we see are largely military human beings, not aliens and extraterrestrials. They are human beings. They are military. They are moving their cargo around, their uh, recreational um, fun things. I don't want to, because we're on YouTube, so I want to respect your channel. Um, but they're the biggest movers of the um, industries they say they're trying to end. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's simple. There are so many men and women driving these vehicles that they pretend are UFOs, which they're not. I refuse absolutely, and I invite you viewers to do the same. Please refuse if you choose. to Don't say UAP. Please recognize in that moment, you are being MK Ultrad. In that moment, in real time, they're saying, oh, it's a UAP, an unidentified aerial phenomena. Interesting, they still say un unidentified. Do not allow that. They are bloody full of shit and lies, and I'm really mad at them all. It has always been and will be until we, the people, decide to change the name, a UFO, unidentified flying object, although, like I said, half of them are military. The other thing, the other tell about the knowing the difference between plasma ship, you know, a, a real genuine alien craft, a Pleiadian scout ship, a battleship, something cloaked, something uncloaked, um, all the different sizes that we know and materials that they use. There are a lot of military, physical, handmade UFOs that are very clumsy, so clumsy. I mean, the, the, the ETs are so perfectly advanced. They're so smooth. They're so streamlined. You know, you see some of these embarrassing have-a-go UFOs the military have flung out there with pipes hanging off them. And it's like the brain again. We are so beautifully programmed not even with our physical eyes. Sometimes it's more of a deeper feeling on a cellular level. Something's not quite right. Something's a little bit off. So does my fight or flight need to come on? And is that what I'm looking at a threat, you know? And so there is such pristine uh, perfection in their engineering. You know, they're live ships. They are thought ships. They are plasma. They are different composite materials. Um, and yeah, and some of the ones here that you see, I'm just like, oh, stop. I can't even look. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <sighs> I, yeah, I, I know there's, um, you know, this is kind of like one of those areas that uh, is very important. I know that uh, the, one of the whistleblowers that came forward, he, he maintained an anonymity, but he was an army cryptographer and that, that he uh, was recruited by the CIA in the 1950s. And one of his jobs was to go down to South America and to look at all of the data that they were getting of the UFOs down there. And his job was to identify which of the craft were the Nazi craft from Antarctica and which of the craft were extraterrestrial craft. And so his whole job was developing the discernment and the skills to make out which are the extraterrestrial and which are the uh, 
re reverse engineered craft from whether it's the Antarctic Germans or now it would be China or Russia. So, yeah, so that was happening in the 50s and it's happening even now. I mean, people like yourself have that psychic ability to do that, but I know that the intelligence community, uh, they are also using whatever resources they have to be able to tell the difference. You mentioned Argentina, that that man went down to Argentina, because straight away I'm like, well, that was the Project Paperclip scientist trying again to reverse engineer, to kid all of us, you know, and then take over the world or do whatever it is they tried to do and obviously ultimately failed. And we're just seeing the last smatterings of that, like a dog with diarrhea running, but just shitting everywhere while they try and, you know, scare us uh, at the end of this war that we're at. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, yeah, Paperclip and then Operation High Jump, we know about that again photograph of the White House, a ton of flying saucers going over, not one single military, uh, one single alien in those craft. No, it was the Nazis from Antarctica. They were saying to the Americans, we own you. You know, again, we've got to get neutral. Americans are like, oh, no, we're the greatest power in the world. Well, you were and you could be again. But this time we're all going to come together as a family and remove all of the chaos and the cancer of the dark elites who've tried to fool us and trick us and own us as a humanity. Um, and, you know, if people are getting triggered, that's all right. You know, sometimes we need to get a little bit triggered in order to move forward, to take some action for ourselves or to maybe go and read up on something like Paperclip, Operation High Jump, many others, or look into satellite manufacture, space industry, look at the different composite materials they use to build these satellites, like it's carbon fiber, Kevlar, honeycomb, um, and they use different kind of epoxy resins and glues to um, hold that together. And then if you then look at those materials, where else are they used? They're using a lot of Formula One production practice vehicles. So I used to work in this, I was in the space industry as a recruiter. And that was amazing too, Dr. Sala, because you really do have to have an understanding on many levels. And I didn't even know my brain had the capacity to really absorb all these different levels and layers of space manufacture, uh, personnel required that is psychologically, mentally, um, morally. Um, and yeah, I, I got such an insight into that whole industry. Uh, so again, when I'm watching different people, um, you know, who say, I've got this experience and that, I'm like, nah. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. I can't even watch. It's embarrassing. And then there are others I'm like, oh, oh, you genius. But within that, I met so many extraordinary people I would recruit at the highest level, the highest, highest level in the space industry, all different layers and levels of personnel. And the ones, the cleverest ones, the ones who really added value, many of them had an extraordinary terrestrial feeling about them and for me when i was walking around these gigantic hangars with rocket thrusters and massive satellites and gigantic reflectors that are going to be launched into space i was never more comfortable like i was home you know so it was again cellular memory triggers smells feelings sounds emotions can trigger past lives and so yeah yeah uh, that's something you talk about in the book so maybe just uh, just explain a little bit more about this space agency recruitment uh, um, 
corporation that, that you set up, that you actually were involved in exactly doing what you described. So how long did that agency, that recruiting agency last for? And, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it's very reflective of your own past life interests or memories that are kind of like bleeding through that you would be drawn to establishing your own space agency recruiting uh, company. Uh, so yeah, I want to kind of like just address that a little bit. Yeah. So it was always a passion and I was living in Hertfordshire in England. And um, I remember somebody coming into an agency I worked at and it was so boring. It was for secretaries and admin staff. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so bored. But I just moved there and I wanted to get into recruitment and learn it. A guy comes in one day and he goes, do you have any panel wiring jobs? I'm like, what's a panel wire? And then I find myself going on to this epic journey of discovery um, of engineering and technical and and I and then anyway I took I did so much study but the thing I learned was to go down to a factory a manufacturing plant and actually watch learn the skills what do you mean you, you need a panel wire which is very different a three-phase two-phase very different to a um, to a, a, um, a wirer, a solderer. Um, and then I learned um, by observing again, like PCBs, printed circuit boards, you know, a little plastic board with a ton of, um, uh, you know, um, metal and different different minerals or different materials uh, that you go back in the, you know, the, the motherboard, you know, motherboard, PCB, printed circuit boards. And then, and then learning all of that and then getting so into it, knowing this is coming from somewhere. And then so frustrated with the boring, admin and the women and all the bitching and gossiping which I can never bear um, I'm like oh my god I've got to do something here and so I took a giant leap and just set up my own agency and then I couldn't even believe I won this contract and it was so meant to be I remember the woman I finally get a meeting with her, her name was Joe, and um, she was telling me I've got 15 minutes you know really aggressive and um, I'm like okay well 45 minutes later I'm telling her I need to go but I walked out of there. There was a guy called Nikki Bamra, such a beautiful man, Indian man who wore a turban. And Nikki Bamra said to me, I'm desperate for 10 PCB assemblies. But they weren't regular PCB assemblers, Michael. They were, each component was a thousand pounds, more, more than dollars, a thousand pounds. And it was such a, I was so excited, but because I knew my industry and I knew what to look for and I knew the staff I had on the books, I was able the next morning to hand him 10 resumes. I handed him 12. They hired 10. Um, and it, it, I can feel the excitement now. It would adrenalize me. It was so exciting. I would be like, oh, my bloody God, I can't wait to go to sleep and get up in the morning. And, you know, and um, it was just a thrill. But it was absolutely, as you said earlier, part of my drive you know so we do find in life that things we're attracted to things that come easy things that we don't need to push or force because we're in flow it's an invitation to open cellular memory to remember certain things <clears throat> and and to know that we you know i impart you impart Elena Denan, alex collier jean charles moyen tony Rodriguez, people that we know and love um all have a little piece of this disclosing the true history of our planet and our solar system, but also I feel and I hope that in my way, gifting things I've lived, because nothing better than personal experience, but then inviting the viewers to allow themselves to recognize that in themselves. Did that happen to me? Can I relate to that? 
when I'm in flow, everything's going. When I'm not in flow, everything's tricky. So we learn then again to discern the energy frequency. Is that my energy or is that a program in my mind that's making me go that way? Like there's so many different ways I could go right now. But ultimately, my space agency, which used to be called Starflink, um, uh, was it was a joy. It was three, four years uh, ultimately that I had it. And then I sold it and moved to California and then created a hair product company and apartment buildings and right at the, you know, that, that the crash. But yeah, that's what I did. Next. Yeah. Well, I think that, that, that creating that space agency uh, recruitment and initiative, that is a clue into your own kind of past. Uh, we're talking past lives. And I think past lives are very important when it comes to this work that uh, you're doing, I'm doing, Elena's doing and many others are doing like Jean-Charles Moyen, that there is a kind of past life connection here. And one of the incidents that you describe in the book is very suggestive of that past life connection. You say that you describe when you're in the, in the crib, so you would have been you know, only months old, however many months old you were, that you saw this tall extraterrestrial and later on, uh, I think it was probably in A Gift from the Stars that Elena Denan uh, had a picture of Anax and, and you recognise that being uh, Anax. So you want to tell us about Anax and why would he be appearing uh, beside the crib of a baby girl that's only months old? Um, so the memory is... It was like my third memory ever in my whole life. And because I can think, I remember my birth, and that's another thing. And I wouldn't recommend people say, oh my God, I wish I could remember everything. Trust me, it's not always a good thing, you know, except for an experience like I'm going to share now with Annex. So I, I remember being very gently put back in my crib to the point where it was so gentle that I was gently sitting back and I remember feeling the, the wooden bars of the crib at my back. And then I look up and there is this beautiful being and he has a great big head and these beautiful eyes and his energy frequency is unmistakable. It is this warm love. It's almost like this humming, this humming love that Annex frequences out and it's safe and it's beautiful. And he put me in the crib and then he, I got goosebumps right in the back of my head where I feel them. Um, and then he, he kind of glided. He doesn't walk. He kind of, he's got different stance, a different gait with him completely. And he kind of moved backwards across the room and then stood um, by, against the window. And it was pitch black. It was dark. And the only light that was coming in was the, the landing light up, the upstairs landing light coming under the door. And then I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him across the room and feeling. And then my mum walks in and she says to my dad, oh, she's still awake. You know, and then she picks me up, puts me on her hip, takes me downstairs. I was really annoyed with her because I was enjoying my time with my friend and not understanding why I go outside and it's pitch black and there's stars and it's nighttime. My mum's unpegging washing because in England, nobody uses tumble dryers. I mean, come on, we're all so old fashioned. You wash, wash your clothes in the washing machine if you're lucky. And then you hang them on the washing line, even though it rains all the time, still they'll hang the washing out. So she's unpegging laundry. I'm on her hip and I'm really just, 
I can remember feeling angry and no, and I'm looking up and I just want to be with him. I just want to get back with him, with, with Annex. I didn't know his name was Annex and I'm just a baby. I'm just remembering and seeing visually um, in real time when I was wide awake. And then my mom was a little bit annoyed because I wouldn't start crying and then put me back. And it was so very different. She put me back in the crib different to how Annex did. Um, anyway, that was a real, and I, I was meant to remember and I always did. And that's what they do as well. When we come in with our soul contracts, whatever being we've been, whoever we're going to become, there are road marks, there are signatures, physical, emotional, to remind us of the track that we're on. And that at some point, we're all going to find each other, just like you and I did, Alex Collier, Elena, we all found each other again at a very similar time in our life right now. Um, and some of the stepping stones were me remembering Annex, who I never, ever forgot, never, ever forgot. I just didn't realize it was him when I connected with Elena and we put all our past lives together. And she says in the book, um, she, she she wrote the forward for my book and she talks about it there. Um, but when I saw him again, see, I, they would, I, I went upstairs, you know, upstairs off planet uh, with Annex um, for, um, uh, what they call checkups you know there are lots of children like me who are now adults who were always going to be standing up and speaking out um, at this time and you know there's so much violence and death threats and horrific traumas that get inflicted to us whether they land or not um, and you know we have you know we're loved we're protected and we're standing, we're on our missions. Uh, yeah, we are definitely on our missions. And it's very interesting that uh, you have these past life recollections of uh, being with Elena, uh, that you remember things about some earlier war in the Orion system and, and certainly the connection with uh, Anax. Uh, and with forehand uh, that you have had, because uh, I think there's another incident you described where Annex and, and Thorhan checked you out while you were living in Costa Rica, just before you were doing your first interview with Elena, just to see, uh, well, you know, what was that all about? Why were they checking you out? It was again to remind me, because when a spirit, an angel, a demon enters and a real demon like a you know a discarnate negative soul spirit you know i don't mean like a demon like bill gates or fauci or any of those um serial killer demonics um it's a very different resonance you feel it in the energy frequency around you so i was in costa rica and i'd already connected back with elena um, and we were remembering, you know, very slowly, it doesn't all come in in one go, because again, that's part of the journey, it's bit by bit by bit, um, unlike Tony, who suddenly had masses of downloads, but Tony's a very different and very extra special, special person in his disclosure and his, in his memories, but um, I was getting ready the first time to read for Elena. I'd managed to get her attention because I saw her on YouTube and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's her. And I'd always had all these dreams all my life, this little girl, this little beautiful little girl with curly hair, dark hair. But there was always a witch bitch in the way. There was always a woman, white, 
long dark hair, mean, and she'd come in my room sometimes and she'd jab me, like in real life, like in real physical, because some of these beings are very physical. Um, and anyway, I saw Elena and I'm like, oh my God, it's her, it's her. And then before then I'd seen the Wonder Woman movie and I just came apart in the cinema. I came apart, I'm like, oh my God, I know that girl. That's what we did. Anyway, long story short, um, I mentioned uh, to her in an email, um, hi, I'm Danny, um, I know you. Um, I wanna give you a hug. I know there's a lot of people coming at you. I'd love to offer you a reading. Now she had lots of offers, but there was something in the frequency I sent to her, she recognized which she talks about. And what I did was I sat and I tuned in and then I sent, I wrote an email and I sent love in the email. And then I, I, I extracted a holographic memory that I knew we would both feel. And I wrapped that into, um, into the email. And then I sent it. And when I sent it, I had zero attachment to it. You cannot manipulate truth like that. You cannot put your own decided outcome on something. And anyway, she said out of all the emails that she got, she felt mine. And that was my intention for her to feel it. And she did. So then we're setting up our reading. I'm in my house in Costa Rica. And I step out onto the veranda. And then I'm like saying my prayers as normal. And I always ask to have clear contact with the person. I always ask to bring something only they would know. I ask for any beloveds from the light that want to give a message. I have very strict protocol. I have a screen up. Nobody gets through that screen. I don't care who you are. You are never going to impress me. I don't care how dead you are, how famous you are. These are my protocols. When I'm giving messages to someone, I don't play. I'm not playing. I'm very, very fierce like that. So I'm standing out there doing my prayers, etc. Then I get this extraordinary feeling in my body and it, it was a different crackling in my frequency field and then there was a feeling at the back of my neck and I'm like well that's extraterrestrial that's the ETs um, like I said very different from feeling a spirit or an angel or a dark entity very different experience uh, and um, I went back in the house and I'm hearing all this screaming like 500 feet away with this. There used to be neighbors living in the other house. I don't live there anymore either. Um, they're going, Danny, 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 look up, look up. There's a UFO. And I just missed it. And so it was Galactic Federation of Worlds, you know, knowing that Lainey and I are coming together, letting me know here's the signature frequency, Danny, for you to remember and for you to recognize and for you to trust because I am the biggest skeptic I know. No one is more of a skeptic than me. I own it. Um, and then we did our reading and it was beautiful and we connected and it was very emotional and very private and we'll stay that way. Uh, and then it was like, I think it was a week later. I'm sitting in my house and I've got my, I'm laying on the sofa talking to someone. And then the frequency shifts in the room and I just look and it's Amex. And he's just gliding across the room. And then I look across the, because my, that house, it had glass windows, floor to ceiling glass windows that looped right out onto the jungle canopy. And uh, I, I was giggle, like I have a giggle with Thorham because he knows me uh, from before. And, uh, you know, I'm naughty. You know, I am i don't particularly follow rules. And, you know, I speak in my mind and I'll punch you before I sit you down and let you <laughs> me. Um, and he was standing looking out the windows and I, I realized in that quantum moment, because you have quantum thoughts, of course we do, that he was protecting Annex. 
and but, but but because they made me jump and they were physically in my house i yelled out f off and thorhan he just kind of looked around and he smirked like oh god danny it's like it was almost like thorhan knew i was gonna have that response do you know what i mean I mean, we've laughed about it. We've laughed about it since then. But again, it was another, they'd been gone for so long. And it was a re-remembering who I am, who they are, who Elena is. Um, and so we've all very gently come together. But I've spoken about this a few times. I do not want ever for any of what I share with Thorhan and Annex to distract from the mission and from Elena. These are her team. And I'm, you know, connected, obviously, but I'm always very mindful to do that, you know, because people get really silly. They're like, oh, I meditated and I saw Ardana and Ardana told me to do this. And no, she didn't. These are physical humans. We call them humans. They might be from the Pleiades. We call them humans. They're physical like us. They've got a bit more smarter tech than us. Uh, but people get so silly and so carried away. So you really need to stay grounded you know, recognize they are not gods. They are just other people with better technology. They love us. They love our planet. They want to support us, but we have got to get ourselves straight here, just like they had to. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Now, one of the common denominators I've found in, in like interviewing and, uh, you know, corresponding with a number of of um, people that you and I have been working with is that often people remember uh, Elena Danan in past life memories. And um, Alex Collier has said it, you've said it, uh, JP has said it, um, and they're not the only ones. But what I wanted to... Um, can like bring up was something that we discussed when you interviewed me last time on on uh, your channel and I got very upset and I think I used a few expletives when I um, found out that the military that JP's mind was being probed by some ET technology where they were trying to discern his past life memories with people like Elena and and I got very upset because immediately I thought, wow, they're now starting to track these past life connections between these soul groups that are here on Earth doing these missions. And I mean, I, I, I expressed what I felt about that. So I just want you to kind of reflect on that. What Because you, you talked about us all finding one another, that your conference in Orlando that's coming up is a place where all the groups can come together, recognize each other. Um, you know, how do you feel learning that the military is also tracking these different soul groups? It, it makes me rageful. I mean, you know, I know we laughed. You were on my channel. This is just a few weeks ago, and it was such a great interview, of course. And you really did. You exploded. You were, you know, we've never heard you drop an F-bomb before, but you were right because you're saying to people, we've got to wake the fuck up now because the military are tracking 
they're tracking, they're trying to own, they're trying to shut people like us down, they're trying to bring us to a halt. I mean, too bad, so sad. They're complete failures. They've always shown that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't care to provoke. I, I, they are nothing. They are just, I don't even have a word for the skidmark energy of all of those uh, non-entities. Um, and people like JP, so incredibly important. And again, it's funny because I work with uh, Tony. We did a broadcast earlier, Tony and I, we bought the same thing up and I was saying to him the importance of somebody like JP your good friend from many years now Michael Sala whose face we don't see who's active military duty um, the importance of him being able to give a report of when he was going through Jupiter and Ganymede and explaining the colors and the gaseous energies and, and the feeling the soul frequency from Jupiter herself or himself I think he's more of a masculine but anyway and it was so amazing and then Alex is in tears and John Charles is in tears and Elena's in tears and we're all chatting amongst each other that my god JP a human military man is validating what they'd already seen what they'd seen before and this you know grounded counterpart with JP and the off-planet excursions that people I mentioned are still having still having people are like i want to tell my story great a thousand million of us have seen ufos you know now the governments are being forced to talk about it it's the ones who are right now in real time going on and off planet they're the really you know most in interesting but it doesn't mean they're more important than anybody that's had a ufo interaction of course not everybody should be telling their story but you know there are people that came forward first like tony woodricks that i think stand the ground, the test of time, and give the evidence. And Tony Rodriguez, he has the satanic link, he has the galactic link, and he has the military link. And the military, I know, are stuffed full of witches, warlocks, demonics, clones, scum of the darkest parts of the earth. And there are so many people in high military command who have sold their soul to the demonics. There's two or three demons running through them. These people are spelling. And these people, they all own each other. And they have one God. And that God is Satan, like I said at the beginning. And now at this stage, I used to worry, you know, about telling the truth in such a straightforward manner. I don't care anymore. I don't even, even caring isn't, it's just like, it's too late. It's too late. We have a job to do. We're doing our job, you know, and God love you all. God bless you all. Um, just everyone will do whatever they're going to do at this stage. We just keep on moving forward. Got no time for tantrums or I want to be this or that, you know, and the, as you know, when we did our JISIC last year, Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection, the highest frequency the love in that room, the 4D love, the audience, the audience could, there were, half the audience could have stood on that stage and shared their stories. You know, again, everyone's story is important. The level of sophistication, the maturity of the souls, the emotional intelligence that was rampant in that room of a thousand people was a testament to us all coming together, soul family, star family, you know, genetically connected, soulfully connected, um, past lives, everything. And we brought the light to Orlando and we're doing it again this, this year to Orlando, 20th of October, 21st, 22nd, next year.
we're going somewhere else and we're taking our light there. I'm not going to announce it yet. Um, but it is a massive movement of people bringing light and amplifying that light that heals and is healing and the darkness have no tool against it. I truly know that to be true. Well, I think it is uh, really uh, a very important conference. Uh, this is uh, the only conference I'm attending in uh, 2023. And I, I think it's a place, as you said, a gathering for people that are connected to one another. And uh, here, here you have the, uh, we're at the website for the Galactic and Spiritual Informers uh, Connection. And uh, I just wanted to like uh, go over some of the speakers because you, you have a really great lineup of speakers here. I mean, you know, the, the you know, the, all the details for where to go, how to register. But, uh, yeah, Elena, myself, Jean-Charles Moyen, uh, some some others, uh, Tony Rodriguez, you mentioned, uh, yourself. Uh, yeah, you want to tell us about um, some, like, Christiane Northrup? You want to yeah. tell us about Christiane and, uh, and Corinne Pataki? Yeah, Karina. So Dr. Christiane Northrup is one of the single greatest medical doctors that ever was on this planet. Now, she used to be heralded, heralded as one of the top 10 doctors in the whole world that we should listen to. Her gynecological obstetrics, female birth, female health. And she was always on Oprah back in the day when everybody thought that was a good thing. Um, she stood and mentioned ingredients in a certain injection that people were being forced to take. And this woman, I mean, my friends, I mean, I just love her and admire her so much. And she's so important in disclosure. She's so crucial in this moment of the true history of our planet. And her speech is the future of humanity's health. And she's got some bloody big bombs to drop. Um, and she's so excited and she's an, just an epic avid. There's so many health conferences that she went to last year uh, that were shut down on the day, shut them down on the day. Um, and, uh, you know, so she's really happy to be in the right environment, which it is the true history of our planet, true history of medicine, uh, what is good, what isn't, and, and how, we decide the people how it's going to look moving moving forward. Um, Karina Pataki, our beautiful pink-haired lady there, um, she has decoded the Holy Bible in a way I've never seen. Uh, she is extraordinarily strong and powerful. Her story of being a little girl trying to escape Romania is so harrowing. I mean, I did a whole interview on my channel, and I think you've have you interviewed her too. I know Elena oh. has. Yeah, I've interviewed her a couple of times. Yeah, you have. Uh, yeah, she's extraordinary. And then look, Jerry Wills. Jerry Wills. And again, you've interviewed him too. He's an alien. He's a full-on, um, he's a full-on, full-blood. He was found as a newborn baby. There were three babies and some adults dropped off here to help us move through, uh, bring the psychic abilities they had to help humanity ascend. It has all been planned out very specifically, and uh, he's going to be. Oh, he's yeah. going to be there, and and one of the things that uh, is very remarkable about Jerry. I mean, I, I know I've known of Jerry uh, since around two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. I first 
heard of his story and of being dropped off as a baby, you know, which is a remarkable story. You hear rumors about, you know, Nikola Tesla and uh, Jesus being kind of like, you know, dropped off babies or something like that. And, you know, it's a very interesting theory. But then uh, there was a leaked document that came out. I think it was around 2017, something like that. This is a defense intelligence agency uh, document that was uh, prepared, that was written in 1989 for one of the incoming directors of the Majestic 12 group. And it described extraterrestrials leaving babies behind in the United States and Russia or the Soviet Union at the time. And this is, a, this is just before Jerry Wills was dropped off as a baby. And, and I told him this. He was amazed. He hadn't heard of this. So now there's documentation showing that this, is, this has been going on for some time, that, that the extraterrestrials drop off, their, 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 uh, drop off babies. And, and, and Elena actually clarified this uh, to me. I don't know if you know uh, of that, uh, what Elena had to say about that. Do you know what Elena had to say about that? I don't know. I don't remember. Remind me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Elena said that what they would do, what the extraterrestrials would do, is that they would drop off uh, babies uh, who would be cloned from human genetics, but one of, one of the extraterrestrials would uh, use that baby as an avatar body that they would incarnate into that. That that was the way that they did it, and that's why these people come like Jerry Wills, Nikola Tesla, and even Jesus. They have this incredible um, information or wisdom or energies that just uplift everyone around them. So yeah, Jerry Wills is very special. So I'm I'm delighted that you have him there as one of the speakers. He's the only one that's going to be on Zoom. The only one, and he's, I'm so lucky he's not squeezing us in, but pretty much either side of the, of the weekdays of our conference, he's already committed to other things. Um, so he's the only one that's going to be on Zoom this year, but rather than not have him. So I asked him, uh, we've had some really good long chats and he, 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 again, you can feel his resonance and he does something I do all the time. I keep forgetting what day it is. I have no idea what the day is. I don't know what the time is. I travel so much. I don't even know what country I'm in, um, what, time, what time zone. We were laughing about it, me and Jerry, saying that, that, that we have no idea. It's like this it's just hard to explain the structure a lot of people it's happening to as well don't know what day don't know what time because all the structures or the prison structures are totally collapsing but he is someone who's extraordinary he's like listen to the spaces within the spaces when jerry talks to you know he he harmonizes and he's a really down-to-earth bloke he loves a fag you know he's really normal it doesn't put on airs and graces, no time for that. But there's something that emits from him that you can you can feel it. You can you can feel it, you know. Yeah, he's very special. And then there's our Dan Willis. We love Dan, you know, senior writer, brilliant brain, former top Navy whistleblower. Um, one of the first, he was back in the day of Morse code reporting a physical UFO coming um, out across the ocean. Um, and he has been working with uh, Thorhan Aredian's brother, Jenhan, of, with off-planet technology. And we're going to 
for the very first time, Dan and his scientists are going to, the on-planet scientists, not the off-planet scientists, they're going to show how to generate the energy of frill, not vril with a V, frill, P-H-R-Y-L-L, I believe, frill. This is the universal ether energy, and Dan Willis is going to proudly stand and create that because it's time. We don't need to be told and we refuse to be told by anyone. You know, Army, Navy, I don't care, nobody cares. Uh, we have the technology, it's been hidden, and now we're all bringing it out. And this conference, Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection, is one such conference. There are so many other people there with great technology in the vendor rooms. It's just going to be mind-blowing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, people should go and check it out, uh, the Galactic Spiritual Informers dot uh, com uh, to find out more about this really uh, important conference. Uh, people will will be able to kind of like meet a lot of the uh, speakers. Uh, and as I said, this will be my first uh, conference and only conference for 2023. I, I plan to launch uh, the second volume of uh, the JP uh, series of books there. So I'll be there and I'll be very happy to do autographs of that. So uh, that uh, anything you want to say about the, the conference before we bring this to a, an end, Danny? Well, I want to say that Dr. Michael Sala will be speaking for the second year. <laughs> and last year, your presentation was fantastic. And it was important. Everyone is so important because they're bringing something that we can't you know, share on, um, you know, on uh, on BoobTube or whatever platform we're on. Uh, so there's going to be no censorship whatsoever this year. Last year, you were showing physical photographs that JP took. And, and, and it was so great the way you explained that when you see an actual photograph of a real flying saucer, or whatever you want to call it, a real ET craft, it has a different energy field, a different um, signature resonance around it, which will always make it look slightly blurry. That's another tell as well, right, that we were doing the tells um, earlier. And, and your presentation was just like, was shut the front door. It was just insane. And I can't wait for your body of knowledge that you're bringing this year. So very, very excited. Um, to have you on that great stage too with such luminaries you know Nikki Allen will be there she's from a long lineage of clairvoyant mediums she's got a whole evening uh, Friday night we're giving the whole theater to her for two and a half hours to give people messages to teach them how to connect their loved ones to heaven to the spiritual realms whatever they want Melanie Charest I mean, she's our French speaking. She's married to Jean-Charles Moyen. Um, she'll be talking about her off-planet rescue that she's doing with hybrid children. Brad Olson, genius presenter at the ancient history of our planet. And then somebody at the top we haven't said about, who was that? Jean-Charles Moyen. Jean-Charles Moyen. Um, and I was talking to Tony today. 
it, again, George Charles has put out another film, another movie. This is how he gets his creative information out in real time. You're in that movie that he just released. When I watched his film, the latest film, I couldn't stop crying and I called him and I was like, this is an activator. I'm so activated. And then Tony, I'm sure it won't mind me sharing, Tony had also emotional response. You know, and we've all, especially Tony, we've had on and off planet experiences. And yet our brother, Jean-Charles, is still helping us all on this journey to disclose for ourselves, to discern, to discern. So I couldn't be prouder of this group of people who all have such humble kindness and love for humanity. And that, for me, is the biggest tell. The one that's missing there is our lovely Alex Collier. He will be in the audience. He is a vendor this year, and he will be introducing a couple of the speakers on stage. Anytime I can get that great man on a stage with us, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, Alex is definitely a crowd favourite and uh, one of one of my favourite people in this planet. So, and I want to just acknowledge uh, you, Danny, for putting together this uh, great conference. Uh, it is going to be a barn burner, uh, and I think uh, people really need to. You know, take a look at it seriously to to attend, and and of course, congratulations once again on your book, uh, Angels, Demons, and Aliens, uh, that has just come out. So uh, that definitely highlights uh, some of the key incidents in your life journey and how that uh, relates to some of the, the conference speakers. So so I want to thank you, Danny. Any parting words uh, for the audience? Um, I love you. I'm so proud to be friends. I'm so proud to be standing on stages with you and shoulder to shoulder with you, giving love to humanity, sharing the truth that we know to be true, having the courage that we do have. Um, and uh, I'm so proud of everyone that even considers coming because they're showing up for themselves. They're considering uh, their value. You know, they're honoring their lives. And, you know, we just welcome everyone to come. Um, if you don't do anything else, you know, this year or next year in terms of conferences, this really is the conference to be at. So many people had life-changing experiences. Some met the love of their lives last year. There's so much connection, socializing, not drinking, drugging. That's not the place for that, no. You know, everyone's having a little dance and maybe a glass of wine, um, but it's not really... It's the wrong frequency. It's the wrong mental attitude. It, this is about finding your, your tribe, your family, your soul frequency and so much more. Um, so thank you for having me on your channel again. I'm really excited about my book. It's on Amazon. Um, and uh, see you guys at the conference. Much love. You have been listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com. Mm -hmm.